Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Before we get into the message, we have uh, an exciting, I think it's an exciting end to our prayer and fasting uh, series, but I do have some sad family news first, and that is uh, Henry Harder passed away suddenly this last week, uh, leaving behind his wife Marlene. I'm not sure if she's here today, but we need to be praying for her. And they have kids and grandkids, and they're processing that. Now they'll have the funeral coming up. And I'd ask that if you, if you would like to, if you'd write down her name and, and her family and keep them in your prayers uh, throughout this week and in the weeks to come. Um, after the funeral is often when it gets the, the loneliest and the hardest as everyone goes back to normal. And you're left with a hole that, that can't be filled. And that's a part of our experience here on this earth one day we won't experience that any longer. Death is the final enemy to be defeated, amen? Uh, but until then, we mourn. When one of our family members mourns, then we mourn with them, and we stand together. So I'm just, if you can bow your heads, uh, I'm gonna pray for, for Marlene and the family now. Lord, the, the passage that comes to mind immediately is, is Romans 15, 13. Uh, may the God of hope, Lord, you are the Lord of hope. May you fill Marlene and her kids and the grandkids with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of your Holy Spirit, they may abound in hope, even in this time of loss. Lord, would you comfort them? Would you grant them your shalom? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today, we're going to be talking about memorization. So I'm just watching to see if anyone gets up and leaves. No? Okay, this is a great start, okay? Uh, I'm excited about that. I wasn't sure. Uh, memorize. Um, I can't do that. Probably the most common thing I hear, and don't, don't feel bad if you've said that, and if you've said it to me, because I know a lot of you have. I've said it to me, too. I've said it to me probably uh, more than I've heard any of you say it to me. Memorization, I can't do that. I have ADHD. Uh, I have focus problems. I can't. I have memory problems. I can't do that. That was my argument to God for many years, actually. So, let's take a look here at what Scripture says, and we'll, we'll take a look at this thing called memorization, and then where we go from there. They'll get the first slide up. If you can help me out there, Cohen, in the back, uh, that'd be great. But the first one is Psalm 119, 9 to 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me, not wander. I have, let me not wander from your commands. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's not quite it. <laughs> that's okay. Maybe that's me now. Oh, look at this. You guys got me going. Thank you. <clears throat> I went too far back. I apologize. Cohen, you just want to fix that for me again. <laughs> <laughs> keeping them on our toes. You know what? God bless. I love you volunteers and I love this church uh, because all their best efforts and I just keep messing it up. There it is. Going back one. Don't keep pressing. There we go, right? Isn't that what the tech guys always say with electronics? If it doesn't work, don't just keep adding to the queue line. Yeah. I'm learning that slowly. Not really. But uh, when we take a look at a, a passage like this, it's a couple of verses, 9, nine 10, and 11. Um, don't answer. This is rhetorical. I just want you to think about it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you store up God's word in your heart, that it can actually change that struggle you have with sin? Do you believe it could 
help you in that moment of temptation and weakness? These are good questions to ask ourselves. Um, Jesus, uh, in, you know, famously in Matthew 4, he's resisting the devil, and he, three times he quotes the Old Testament. But if, if you go through the New Testament, you're going to find him quoting the Old Testament often. In fact, he handled pressure from the secular world by quoting, Have you not read? He handled progressive Christianity, it wasn't called that yet, but progressive beliefs in, in Judaism by saying, Have you not read? And he handled temptation. Have you not read? He went to scripture. Now that's Jesus, I know. Let's go to the next one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's incredible, isn't it? His delight. Remember, delight is another word for worship, affection. There's a lot of these words that we use, but delight's one of those words. So it's not just necessarily, you know, reading it or knowing of a passage, but there's a blessing that, that comes from having your delight in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. You can become like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit. So fruitfulness does not wither. That's an incredible promise because you think about the withering effects that anxiety or depression or hopeless despair have on people today. And don't hear me, by the way, if you're here, because I, I know what those, all three of them are like. Depression less so, but anxiety and hopeless despair, oh, way too close to friends. And I'm not saying it's as simple as just grab a quick, you know, Bible verse and throw it at your anxiety and, and all your problems are fixed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, we're just looking at what the Bible says. We'll start there. So apparently there's a blessing of delighting in God's law, meditating on it, that could actually cause us not to wither, but rather to bear fruit through pressure and desert seasons in our lives. In all that we do, we prosper. Now, if you're thinking prosperity gospel, I'm not going to go into a message on that, but that's not prosper like prospering in the way the world defines it, but prospering in the way that God defines it. You know what prosperity looks like to God? Obedience and faithfulness. That's prosperity to God, staying close to him, being obedient and faithful. That's prosperity right there. If you could live that life, wow. That's a life well lived. Um, George Barna, the, the, by the way, the new, if you like the Worldview stats, the new one came out. I'm not going to quote a bunch of stuff. We ran out of time. Or I, we, <laughs> I ran out of time again. And uh, anyways, but the new 20, uh, 2022 and 2023 study has come out. And I will just summarize it just to say it's not looking better than it was with last year's stats. They've all gone down a couple of points. That's heartbreaking to read. It's heartbreaking to see the rise of syncretism because it's so hard to dismantle because a lot of people with a syncretism, and that just means a blended mix of worldviews. They're taking a little bit from here and a little bit from there and a little bit from over here and a little bit from the culture, borrowing a little bit from here because any worldview worth its weight has to borrow something from here because this is by far the best one. Not, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Christian, but it's the one that makes the most sense. Our values are the ones that everyone wants. Anyways... Syncretism, it's very hard to dismantle because of this blended view. You don't even know what you're looking at. Barna writes this, If Jesus Christ came to the planet as a model of how, ought to, how we ought to live, then our goal should be to act like Jesus. Sadly, few people consistently demonstrate the love, obedience, and priorities of Jesus. The primary reason that people do not act like Jesus is because they do not think like Jesus. 
Behavior stems from what we think are attitudes, beliefs, values, and opinions. Although most people own a Bible, and some know some of the content, our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. We're often more concerned with the survival amidst chaos rather than experiencing truth and significance. We're just trying to make it through. Don't raise your hand again, but how many people can relate to that? Just trying to make it through the day. Just trying to make it through the week. If I survive, that's success. And you know what? For some of you, depending on what you're going through right now, the seasons you're in, that might be success. But I'm telling you, Scripture says we have an inheritance that's far more than just surviving. We're called to bear fruit and to thrive. Now, to do that in a way, obviously, that's defined by Jesus, not the world, because thriving in his in his eyes are a lot different than thriving in the world's eyes because to thrive, he may cause you to bear fruit in the most difficult, prolonged season of your life where you suffer, but you suffer as a beacon of hope and light to everyone around you because they cannot figure out what you have that allows you to navigate the darkness of this world with joy. But you can't have that joy if you're not connected to the vine, the source. Remember, I, say, I like to say, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying, we're not talking about salvation here, okay? We're talking about abundant living. Right? We're all clear on that? Saved by grace through faith? Yeah, got you. The result, remember the power of four research that we looked at? I'm not going to go through it all again, but memorize, I can't do that, right? Well, the, the power of four actually looks at the difference when someone has a biblical worldview. That's really what it saw. So at four or more times in the week when they were engaged in activities like prayer and church, and I think there was one other one, uh, church attendance, prayer, and Bible reading. Okay, you see all of those stats lowering until the bottom. Memorizing scripture was 407% higher. Discipling others, 231 higher. Sharing faith with others, 228 and higher. Now, I know we already went over that, but let that sink in of the power of what a, a worldview can do and how it influences your behaviors, lowering the ones of Im immorality, and even stress was one of those, and then raising what we would call moral behavior, fulfilling the purpose for which God gave you breath in your lungs to glorify him and lead others to himself. So what does this have to do with memorization? Well, Memorization is an extension of meditation. And you're not going to find, you know, the word memorization necessarily within Scripture, but you will find meditation as a constant idea throughout Scripture. Meditate on. Well, meditating is what? Ruminating, muttering, speaking, thinking of, applying it to your life, meditating on, soaking on something. We meditate. Memorization is an extension of meditation. In fact, I would go as far as to say the things you meditate on regularly, you are already memorizing. Everyone in here, I'll go back to that. I, I, I haven't even made that comment yet. Uh, in, in the last few weeks, I, I keep saying something like, so many of the things that God asks us to do are things you are already doing. See, we always look at the Christian faith wrong. We look at, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts, and you become a Christian, well, it depends on, I mean, <laughs> what Christianity you signed up for. If you signed up for fire insurance, you don't have to worry about anything because you just live like you want. Don't worry about it. But if you signed up for actual Christianity, 
You receive Jesus as your only Savior. He now also becomes your functional Lord. And he does have demands on you. Now, thank God, he knows your, your, those demands. None of us can live up to it. And his blood covers all of that. So we're not saved by those things. However, they are still important. But basically, everything he calls you to do, you're already doing. He calls us to disciple others. You already disciple people. You are already leading those around you towards the things that you think are important and matter to you. You do. You're going to, I mean, it's Super Bowl today. I'm not going to talk about that. But other than to say, like, we, we broadcast who our teams are. We try to convince people on why they're better than the other team. Why the team you're cheering for stinks and maybe are even immoral, <laughs> right? There, there's good reasons why you shouldn't cheer for them. Not just that they suck. Well, you can't say that, maybe. Whatever. Sorry, I apologize. But you know what I mean? We're selling people on something. What is that? Discipleship. So you think about worship. Of course we worship. We're all creatures of worship. We're all worshiping something. What do you adore? What do you give your affections to? And you're like, well, fasting, what about that? Does that fit in? Absolutely fasting does. You don't think we sacrifice for the things we love? We all do. Now you might even sacrifice things for, for things you shouldn't, like addictions. That's like a false, twisted love, and it's warped. But you sacrifice relationships. You sacrifice health. You can sacrifice all sorts of things you shouldn't sacrifice on the altar of an addiction, thinking that it's going to give you the thing that you want. You're worshiping it. Memorization's no different. We all meditate. We all do. We all ruminate. In fact, some of you, and I'll talk about this in a bit, some of you ruminate on the wrong things. I've done that. You feel inadequate, and you ruminate on that. You think about it. You see yourself in the mirror, and you see that person who's inadequate, and you remind yourself how inadequate you are. You memorize it. You commit it to memory. So think about that. What God isn't asking us to do a bunch of extra things on top of what you're already doing. He's saying... I want you to do those same things, but put to death the deeds of the flesh, and by the Spirit, take those things you're already doing, and now focus them on me, and I will give you life. It's an incredible invitation. Incredible, actually. And I wish I could say I always took him up on it. I get tricked and deceived just like everybody else in here. And that's why we need each other to remind each other, and that's why we need to spend how often? Daily time in the Word. To, to remind ourselves outside of what I feel on what is true, what is good, what is noble, what is just, what is right, what is wrong. Okay, last year we talked about bitterness. I don't know if you remember that. Probably you do. Some of you more than others, right? I remember it because I was working through a bunch of hurts myself. That's why we spent so much time there. It just worked out very conveniently that I was preaching. Don't think it was the first time I've done that, because it isn't. <laughs> so anyways, we worked through there. And I, I, I don't know if you recall, there was that one message. I took a whole bunch of stats and research that they'd done on bitterness and offense. And what it did to things like your immune system, blood pressure, and also your relationships, and even the way you viewed the world. So what they found is, as holding on to hurts and offenses by pattern actually changed your perceptions. So much so that... I could have a conversation with you after the service. I can go over to this group over here of young people and talk to you guys. And as you're sharing something exciting about your life, I might find something to be offended about. 
And you'd be thinking like, what did I say that offended you? And I would be so convinced that you slighted me on purpose. That's what they found with research. Interesting, isn't it? So it's like something has shifted in your brain, but this isn't the only place we see it. Anxiety is an out-of-control focus issue. You could almost say if it's a focus issue, it might even be a meditation issue, but whatever it might be, there's lots of reasons why we get it, and I struggle. I, I've been there with panic attacks. I haven't had a panic attack in a long time, but, but I know what it's like. But that is a meditation thing. You're ruminating. You're thinking. You're replaying. You're worried about what's coming, right? But if, if you stay in that spot for too long, you actually get better at being anxious. Isn't that an interesting thought? Because you would never think of it as something I'm good at. Like, it would be weird if I said, I used to be really good at anxiety, so good that I could go into panic attacks almost without thinking. <laughs> You're like, that sounds weird, but it was true. Anger is the same way. You ever been around someone that has an anger issue? And they seem to find some type of injustice in anything you say or do? Why is that? And it seems like the older you get with stuff that's unresolved, the more entrenched you get into these kinds of patterns. I am getting to something that does have to do with the Bible in a second, okay? I'm coming back. I'm about ready to land the plane. We're just circling. Mm -hmm. What about pessimism and optimism? And if my kids are in here, they're not allowed to say which one I am. Because I say I'm an optimist, and they're always like, you're a pessimist. Oh, we don't have to go into our inside. Anyways, what is being a pessimist versus an optimist? A pessimist is someone who predicts the future to be negative. It's a prediction issue, right? Optimists do the exact opposite. They, they have a hopeful view of the future and expectation of what's to come. Now, where does this come from? Is it just part of your personality? Well, personality may play into it a little bit, but predominantly it has to do with how you view your past. If you view your past favorably and full of hope and full of positive experiences, then your ability to predict the future is entirely based on how you view your past. So you'll just assume that things will always be like they always have been. That's why COVID was so disorienting. One of many reasons, but that's one of the reasons why it was so disorienting. Because everything we knew about the past was different, right? Nothing was the same. That's extremely disorienting for human beings. Anyways, pessimism is the same way. You have a negative view in your past, negative prediction of the future. That's pessimist. What do these all have in common? Memory. That's what they all have in common. Every, anything that you do often and you give focused attention to, you will end up doing well. You will end up doing it well. That is for the good things you want to do. That is for the bad things you wish you didn't do. Now, obviously, this problem is compounded by the fact that we have a sin nature and we are tempted and led to do bad things. But it gets even worse when you give in to those practices and do nothing about it. Then your brain just begins to learn it as a habit. It's part of your memory and that's what we're talking about is memorization. We're talking about memory. All of the things I listed before are based on things that you have meditated on. You meditated on them so long and for so often that you ended up memorizing them. See, memorization. Memorize the Bible. I can't do that. You're already a person of memorization. I'm just suggesting you change what you memorize. That's all I'm suggesting. 
I'm suggesting we scrap those, that inward negative self-talk that lines up with the world and the enemy and the accuser, and we start looking in here and start reciting and focusing on and thinking about the living word of God. That's all I'm suggesting. I could end the message now. Well, look at that. I don't even need my other points. Memory is a wonderful gift from God. It is. It totally is. Memory shapes your identities. Who you are is totally shaped by memory. It is. So if you would lose your memory, you would lose a lot of your faculties and, and the, you know, the way you are and who you are and how you respond to people would change. Even things like depending on what parts of your memory you lose, you could even lose a lot of your facial expressions because those two are programmed into memory. So you look different. And that's why when someone's passed away, often their face is so unrecognizable. Mirror neurons and stuff, it doesn't look the same. That's all linked to memory. So much of who you are is linked to what you remember consciously and subconsciously, right? So memory helps us remember what's important and then helps us make decisions based on that information going forward. So what you commit to memory, what you meditate on, what you memorize, is influencing who you are today. Bad example. I'll give you one of my inner healing. I already alluded to it already, but when I was a kid, I'm still young, but when I was even younger, um, and I, my brother's a lot older, he was skinny and tall, and he's my older brother. He's five years older than me. So the guy was my hero. He totally was. For a lot of my life, he was a total hero of mine. Like, I loved him. I wanted to be like him in every which way. And when I was a kid, there was a problem with that, and that is because I wanted to look like him, I wanted to be like him, but I couldn't. He was always five years older. I could never catch up. He was always, it seemed like, 10 feet taller. I could never catch up. And he was always skinny. And so... I, I internalized, this is just a little kid internalizing all the things of what made us different. And you start seeing, I'm short and I'm thick, he's tall, he's skinny. And I would stand in the mirror and I would try to like tippy toe and suck in everything like this, try to make myself as skinny as possible and stretch out and imagine being Chris. I could never be Chris. The more I would do that, the more I felt less like Chris, the more I felt shame and inadequacy, and eventually I internalized the lie that I was fat. I was also unlovable. I was inadequate. I spent untold hours, it probably would add into the weeks if I could add it up somehow, ruminating on and meditating on those false pieces of information, those lies. So much so that you fast forward into my drug days, as a meth addict, I went down to 130 pounds. By the way, that was very gross for lots of reasons. But I looked completely unhealthy. But you know what? I still felt fat. Does that even make sense in your mind? How can someone be 5 foot 11 and 130 pounds in any way, shape, or form and feel fat? It doesn't even make sense. You can't comprehend it with a rational mind. And yet, it not only felt true, it dictated how I lived. It shaped my values. It shaped my actions. It shaped what I got into. It shaped how I acted and behaved around other people. What parts of myself I would reveal, what parts of myself I'd conceal. Now, I bet you that story resonated with a good chunk of you in here. And maybe not the exact story, hopefully not on the meth side especially, but maybe not the exact story, but it's hitting heartstrings because you know what it's like to believe in a lie. 
That's the power of meditation, of memorization. When you internalize something into those core sets of beliefs. Now imagine with me, if, if believing a lie can do that in my life. What could the living word of God do? What would these words do, the living word of God, do if I internalized them to that same degree inside my heart and my brain and my mind? It's a good thing to pause on, isn't it? What would it do? I think it would do everything. I think it would have the same effect but times more. And remember, he said those who generational sins will be passed down to the third and fourth generation, but faithfulness will be passed on to the thousandth generation. God's economy, you start dealing in truth, he just amplifies its effects. John 8. Oh, I didn't put the reference up there. Sorry, guys. But that's John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word. Now abide means stay close, remain, endure. Sounds a lot like meditation, doesn't it? Meditate, ruminate, think about, stay on, right? They're very, very similar. They, they really work together. They do. If you abide, stay close, remain in, endure in my word, you are truly my disciples. That's interesting. He defined what a disciple is. Then he said, and you will know the truth by abiding in his word, and that truth will set you free. It sounds a lot like the converse of what I just explained with that lie. If you are a child of the world, if you aren't intentional, you will know that lie, and that lie will keep you in bondage. That's what it did to me. It's happening to many of you. He says the same is opposite the other way. So what we are talking about is memorization, being intentional to memorize the right thing. Instead of just letting your heart and your mind wander onto anything. We talked about this a bit last week with worship, right? Not that all secular worship is bad. Worship, yes, secular worship is bad. Secular music isn't all bad. However, I charged you guys to be careful on what you, what you allow yourself to sing and to meditate on. That's, that's really why. Music has a power to bypass so many of those internal walls. Meditation is another very powerful tool or weapon, depending on how you look at it. So be intentional. Memorize God's word. It's a practical way to meditate, right? And which will enable you to abide, to remain in, and endure in God's word. Okay, another story. Uh, back to my ADHD. So be began following the Lord August 27, 2004. Uh, so that's a little ways ago. It's almost 20 years. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm stoked for August and celebrating that. That's going to be awesome, right? Um, but anyways, besides that, I had ADHD, and the Lord right away began calling me to memorize, and I didn't. Why? I can't focus on anything. I also don't remember anything. I forget everything. I mean, my family will know this, but going into a mall, I can't even remember which way I came in to a store. Literally. Like, I'll go out the wrong way, and my kids, yeah, Caitlin's laughing. Yeah, because I'll go and I'll walk the other way. Where are you going? 
That's the way we came from. Oh, <laughs> just turn around. We're going to keep walking the other way. So I need a bit of a leash. Forget everything. Focus problem. Don't want to memorize. Lord, I can't memorize. You know how you made me. Fast forward. There's a bunch of stories in between, but I don't have time for. Seven years ago, Pastor Ray, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was on this stage. He charged us to start memorizing. We were talking about growing character at the time. Right? And he charged us to memorize. And I remember sitting there, wherever I was sitting in this auditorium, and he was charging us. And I just thought, well, no, that's not really the thing that I need right now. I have my own list of things that I'm asking God to help me in. And one of them right now is not memorization. So I'm just going to put that to the side. But what I did want, because I'm running, Four Winds was a growing ministry at the time, and my responsibilities had increased. And I felt like I couldn't keep up. So I was asking the Lord to, give me, to help me with focus. It's one of the things I was asking for. It was a constant prayer request. I need to be able to focus. I need to be able to learn. Like I need to understand more of what I'm doing. I need to grow in leadership. I need to grow in my ability to minister. So I'm praying and asking the Lord for this. And when I would ask him for help, the only word I ever received back was this nagging thought to do what dad had said and to memorize. Didn't connect. Didn't seem like they were two in the same. It was actually a very intrusive and annoying thought. I don't know if you've ever had that. Right? You're saying, Lord, I need help here. He's saying, I want you to do this. You're like, I don't really care about what you want. You wouldn't say it that way because I really just need you to do this because we know better. I'm just being honest. Anyways, whatever is your way is my way. Um, and yes is the answer, ultimately. And so ultimately, if he asks you to do it, whether it makes sense or not, you do what? You obey. Now, when you obey on something that you are convinced you will fail at, there is a measure of difficulty in starting because we're afraid to fail. I don't know if I'm the only one in here that's even afraid to fail to myself. Right? Some of you are resonating. Yeah, you know what that's like. Like, it's bad enough to fail in front of others, but then there's that level of, I don't even want to fail to me. That feels terrible. It's like a horrible thing. I'd rather, like, lose my leg then fail. Now anyways, here I'm convinced I can't memorize. He tells me to memorize. I can't memorize. I don't even want to start because what if I start? Well, when I start, then I fail. It's just going to be another list or another thing on that list of things that I was inadequate in, triggering all sorts of other feelings that I've had. Anyways, finally I said yes, and I began. I had memorized before. This is seven years ago, and then we went on holidays. It was perfect time to start. And I remember sitting on Dunks Bay. Oh, it was good. And I started with the Bible memory app, Scripture Typer. You can start there too if you want. And I was trying to figure out, what am I going to memorize? And I landed on Psalm 23. That's easy. Six verses. Easy. It's catchy. We sing about it lots enough that it's familiar. <laughs> Although we do sing about it in the wrong version to the one that I memorized. Whatever. That doesn't matter. It's familiar. So I started there. And then I kept going. And I continued memorizing. I didn't stop. I just continued to memorize, and I had no idea how that connected, but it was an act of obedience and faith. That's all it was. It was just faith and obedience. And as I began to memorize, I still remember the first time, I don't know where we were turning, we had gone to visit, I do actually remember, I think it was one of the caves that we had gone to, and we're coming out, and others had forgotten which way we came from, and I remembered. It was such a strange turn of events for me to remember that everyone commented, Dad, you remembered? Weird, right? Dad, you remembered. Yeah, I thought I was pretty proud of myself. Anyways, this sort of thing kept happening in all sorts of areas. 
Uh, now, there are still things I forget. My prayer partners know about the whole sickness thing. I'm not going to go into that right now. You guys just zip it. But uh, anyways, <laughs> because we don't remember everything. However, where I used to lose my keys, my remotes, my everything was lost. I couldn't remember anything. Suddenly, I started remembering where I put stuff. I started remembering what I was supposed to do. I started remembering where I was. <laughs> I mean, I usually knew where I was, but how to get back to where I was supposed to go. Uh, memory started sharpening. Also, my focus started to sharpen. I started to be able to read longer, retain more information, apply more information that I was learning. It seemed to be growing me in all sorts of areas. It was probably about six months later. It was almost, by the way, to just say it, like if you work out in the gym, if you're into that, um, which I love, wherever you start, everyone has a different starting point. It doesn't matter. But the point is, you give consistency, and over time, you begin to be able to do more than you started off doing. Make sense? You grow it like a muscle? Your memory, your brain, same thing. Consistency, you begin to be able to do more of what the brain is designed to do than you could before. Started studying memory a little bit later uh, as we were learning about attachment to memory and addiction and how those things were associated. And I learned some really cool things. Uh, one of them was almost everyone has a good memory, a working memory. Now I know before you say, well, I can't remember this, but I can remember this. Okay, what you prioritize in life will, and, and what is significant really dictates what you naturally remember and what you naturally forget. If it bears no significance to you, you will probably forget it very easily. And that will tell you a lot about what's actually important to you and what isn't. But anyways, besides that, if you actually aren't able to memorize things, to learn things, well, first off, you were able to get here today. If you got here unassisted, you have a working memory. If you're watching online, welcome. Good to have you. Your memory works too. You got up today, you got ready, and you knew how to access this, this church service. You knew how to get here. How did you know how to do that? You remembered it, right? Neat. I know there's different kinds of memory, and we won't go into all that because we don't have time. My point is just to kind of highlight because I want to dismantle that idea that memory, don't spend years doing what I did, arguing with the Lord, oh, I can't do that, and then miss out on the benefits of memorizing God's word while simultaneously memorizing all sorts of things from the culture and the world that is also influencing your life. That's all I'm saying. Don't live deceived. At least know if you're choosing not to do it. But it's not a salvation issue, right? So, I was begging the Lord to teach me, grow me in leadership, grow my ministry, uh, teach me to be more content, overcome anxiety, help me with my sleep, help me with my memory, my focus issues, and all of those areas were impacted by memorizing scripture. We are seven-ish years later. I looked, I, I did look, not seven-ish. It is seven years. Well, it's not quite. In June, it'll be seven years. I have, I figured out my average. That's kind of geeky, but I have opened the app and memorized scripture on five out of seven days. That's what it averaged out to over the last almost 2,000 days it's been. And I have just about 2,000 verses memorized in that time. Which is maybe a little bit nerdy. I can be obsessive. So don't, it's not about the number, but I will tell you, that has changed so much in my life. After the first year, and I, by the way, and this is boasting in the Lord, because this is what he asks us to do. Not the 2,000 verses. Don't worry about that. If you only get one, if it takes you a month to do one, the first 10 took me three months to give some perspective. And it was the Beatitudes, the first thing I ever memorized. The Beatitudes, they're about as simple as they come. Three months of daily work. Getting that working. Oh my goodness, was that hard. It takes me a very short period of time now to memorize a new verse. 
you just log it in and it stays there and I go in back to it tomorrow and it's, maybe I'll, I'll have to glance at it. Within a week, it's, it's just down pat. It's stuck in there. Anyways. If I say two plus two, you guys say what? Our young people just said nothing. Guys, <laughs> you're all finishing school. That's very alarming. What are they teaching you? When I say two plus two, you guys say, oh, it's <laughs> getting worried for the next, the next, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love you guys. And you know that. How did you know that? How did you know that? You know, there's lots of people throughout time and history that didn't know that. That couldn't just do what you guys just did, just like that. We all laugh about it. Four, you don't have to really think about it. It's just obvious. Okay, what about this? You want to hear something wild? Okay, what is the first line? A, and then it says what? What does that first line say? Help me. Okay, now I want you to think about the miracle of reading. Those are just scribbles. How did you look at a scribble on a screen and know what I was trying to communicate to you, what I spent hours preparing and prepping and praying for and wanting to communicate to you? How did you look at a screen, at scribbles, and know what I wanted to share with you? How did you learn that? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. <laughs> I like that. Maybe think of a movie. Kindergarten. I think that's Home Alone. Oh, he's a kindergartner. Okay, I shouldn't do that. Anyways, so you learned it. You know what the crazy thing is? This is the crazy thing about memorization. Now, I know, by the way, you might say, yeah, but when you're a kid, it's easier. True, it is. Your brain's more malleable. There's more potential, all that kind of stuff. But it's always plastic. Your brain can always learn something new. It always can. God made you that way. It might be harder, just like learning to exercise and that kind of stuff. If you wait too late, it gets a lot harder. It's always possible until you're dead. But anyways, the neat thing about a lot of the things you've memorized that you just take for granted today that are miracles, like language and math, they are miracles. How can we do that? For much of human history, people wouldn't have had that privilege. And yet, you didn't even have to want to do it to be able to sit here and now reap all the fruit and benefits of it. Let that sink in. Probably you were forced to do it. I was, for sure I was, right? Bribe me, spank me, motivate me with something, either really good or really bad. But I am not about to do that work for nothing. <laughs> so what would happen if we committed that kind of diligence to God's word? What if you spent so much time ruminating on, meditating on, thinking about, reading, studying, that I could say, David, and you, you could have just a quick snapshot of who David was, what God said about him, where, where he fell into sin, right? You would just know, David, it's like, oh, he was a hackathon. He was the least of these, least of the brothers. God chose him. He shouldn't have been the first, but he was the last. God put him first. He was different. He was a shepherd. He was despised. But God chose someone who's despised. That's a pattern throughout Scripture you see. God takes the lowest of the low, and he exalts them into places that they don't deserve to be. It's incredible. And then from there, you think about this awesome, faithful life that he had before he had power. 
He was so faithful until he got power. Power corrupted that man. Yeah, you say, oh, corrupted. See, power corrupts. It's bad. Yeah, but not completely. He was a sinner. He did awful things. Adultery and murder is terrible, awful. I mean, there's, there's no excuse for it. And yet somehow, somehow through all of it, we find an ax then. We know about David that God said that he's a man after my own heart for he will do whatever I ask. So we see that his, the way he would humble himself and repent and always say yes. He was a yes man. He would always get back up and do better. He would always get back up and say yes to God and follow in obedience. What if I would chuck out David and you would see that? You know, when I say David, that hits my heart in almost every different way imaginable. Because I've, I've soaked on that guy because he gives me hope. Jesus is where my hope is, but I mean, how I see him tenderly treating David when he didn't deserve it, when he messed it all up, how he was quick to forgive. You read Psalm 51 and David's crying out, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, I can't, I can't do this without you. And God is merciful and stays with him. When it doesn't make sense, oh, you're filled with hope. Now I have hope in my own struggle because I've internalized that. I don't even have to read it. I know it. Front to back. I know not everything in here, but I know his life anyways. What would happen if we had that for all of the core characters, for Jesus? If we knew the core things that he taught? There'd be a lot less confusion over gender and sexuality because we would know his sexual ethic and we would also know that it's not harsh but that it's life. We would know that. Now I gotta go a little faster. Memorize the Bible, I can't. I can't afford not to. But it's an invitation. You're already focusing on something. I'm just trying to steer it a little bit. We can just get it a little bit off. Turn it on to this, five minutes a day. What about that? Key components you're gonna need. I'll rip through these because it won't take long. These, by the way, are not just for memorization. This is for learning new skills because everything you know how to do, you know how to do because you remember it, how to do it. That's how you learn things. So memorization is part of that, right? So focused attention, that's really important. That's a key aspect to learning something new is giving it focused attention. If you don't do that, you can have neurons that fire together that don't wire together. They just dissipate when you're done. So focused attention actually helps neurons that fire together to wire together. And neat, the implication of that is, not the implication, it's just true. You know, you're actually, when you're writing God's word on your heart, you're actually physically writing it into your brain. It's physical. Wild. Isn't that wild to think about? God's word could physically be implanted, wired together in me, in the matter. Yeah, neat, right? Focused attention, repetition, and time. You learn everything that way. Now, unfortunately, you can't apply this to everything. I was thinking about it this morning as I saw my receding hairline. I was thinking about, man, I wish I could use that on my, my receding hairline. Right? Focus attention. Grow. Grow. Repeat it. How many times? Ten? Grow, grow, grow. Grow. You got to think. You got to feel the grow. No. It doesn't work. So unfortunately, it cannot affect everything in your life, but it certainly can affect a lot. Like who you are, how you behave, what's important, how you respond, and a whole host of learning other practical skills too, right? Math, reading, all that kind of stuff, right? You learned it all like that. All right, so 
Romans 12, 2. Skipping forward. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Read this next part with me. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now let's read that, that line again. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That, my friends, takes work. It will not happen automatically. Now, you are being formed in the image of something automatically because we all meditate and focus on stuff. We all do, and we become like that. <laughs> but we have a sin nature. So don't just let it happen automatically or you'll always go towards the culture and ruin, always. Nobody accidentally lives a faithful, obedient life. You will accidentally become like everybody else around you and hopefully, never mind, I won't say that. Just jump to the next verse. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, the, not of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. Oh, let's read the underline again together. Three, two, one. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. We destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. We don't just allow ourselves to think and ruminate on everything. We steer those thoughts. We steer our focus and attention. And it's hard work sometimes. But if you give focused attention, repetition, and time to it, it gets easier. Not easy. Notice I didn't say easy. Living isn't easy. Since when did easy anything ever feel rewarding anyways? Like, you know what I've never done? I love lifting weights. I've never lifted like 100 pounds and felt super great about it. Wow, I just squatted 100 pounds. That's absolutely amazing. Wow. Because it's not even warm-up weight. I wouldn't send that video to anyone. Now, I wouldn't send it to most of you anyhow, but I have a couple friends that I do. But I would never send it to anyone. Why? Because I don't care. It didn't cost anything. It, it wasn't hard. You start adding on the plates, though, pushing yourself to the max, and now suddenly you're like, okay, i got to share this with somebody. Because we know that hard work is stuff to be proud of. Put in the hard work. Don't be like the culture. Be like Jesus. Take the narrow path. Stand out. Be different. And do it by the power of the Spirit. Put to death the deeds of the flesh and by the Spirit live. And live abundantly. It's an invitation. Understanding this, now let's look at some benefits. Because we all like benefits, right? I've already kind of talked about a lot of these in the stories. But anyways, we'll just go through it together. Changes our expectations, priorities, and perspective. Expectations. Now, what... Why does that matter? I'll tell you why it matters. You know, if you think that this life, because the world will tell you this, indiv um, expressive individualism, the main goal is being happy. So our world says that the, that the main purpose of life is not to glorify God externally outside of myself. The main purpose of your life is to be happy. Now, when the main purpose goes from glorifying God to being happy, I'll tell you what happens. Abortion becomes fine. My body, my choice. That won't make me happy. Made becomes also totally possible. Of course it does. My quality of life is down. 
I'm not happy anymore. I can't go on living. This is hard. Or now, even as a faithful or trying to be faithful Christian, because now that's the world, right? But now you're trying to be a faithful Christian, and you actually think, see, you, you've, you're, you're actually buying into syncretism because you're both buying into your faith and you want to love Jesus, but at the same time, the culture has so influenced you because you haven't been intentional that you actually still think you're supposed to be happy all the time. So you walk around with this shame and guilt for not being happy all the time, when he's actually inviting you to thrive under pressure. And he's saying, I want you to suffer well. And it's not just like bearing under it. I actually want you to suffer well with me, to have joy and peace in the midst of it. But your expectations matter. Your perception matters. Memorization will help change that. I have lots of stuff. By the way, I included on those pages, you'll see Stefan's favorites. I tried to maybe get a picture of myself doing this. But I didn't. I thought that'd be weird. But I put some of my favorites on there. What I like to do is, because I have stuff that I review every three months, four months, and then I have like the stuff that sticks out. All the ones I put on there are stuff that I review weekly because my weekly ones are the verses, they, they revolve. But the weekly ones are the ones that I'm really trying to soak in, that I try to live out of. That makes sense? Because I can't re weekly review all of them. I have a job to do too, and life. Um, Chose us how to suffer well instead of being stuck in disillusionment. Number two, transforms your actions and reactions. Your beliefs shape your behaviors, period. But not just your beliefs, your cognitive beliefs. I'm talking about your heart beliefs. What you truly believe down here influences what you do and your attitudes and your reactions and your instincts, what you truly believe. Now, you want to get something from your head into your heart? Meditate on it. Memorization is a great way to, to bring it in because now you're meditating on it. You're focusing on it. But I'll give you a tool at the end, right? Not just, not just getting the words in you, but you read it and you say it and you pray it and you apply it. You meditate on it. You soak on it. You get God's word inside you. Moving on. Restores our soul and leads to emotional wholeness, meets us in our pain, gives us rest, replaces lives with truth, does inner healing. It does all of that. In fact, it even gives me a standard by which I can realize that something I'm believing is a lie. It's wonderful that way. It's a plumb line outside of myself that is not subjective, it's objective, does not rely on my interpretation, it stands alone. It's amazing that way. Memorize it. You have certain lies that you're combating, you memorize scriptures that are opposite of those, that speak to that. Scripture speaks to almost everything you go through that matters. I would say everything. Protects us from deception, enables you to discern lies from truth. That's a big thing in both the world and progressive Christianity as they dismantle the word. Know the word for yourself so that if I start teaching something off, you know it. So it resonates with you. You're like, yeah, that's the word of God. It's expanding on what God says in his word. That's the way it should be. Anyways, memorization can help with that. Protect us from deception, enables us to resist temptation, absolutely yes, instructs your behaviors, all that stuff I said, uh, sharpens our witness ministry, makes us fruitful. Okay, so this is the cool thing. In the first year that I was memorizing, I got it so much, and I don't know if it was actually that I was getting better or that people were just, maybe it was the Lord trying to encourage me to stay on the path, I'm not sure. Either way, almost every place that I taught, retreats or not, in, in church renewal, I would have pastors or other people coming and saying, something's different in you. You have more authority when you teach, your like, understanding of scripture, you pray differently, you teach differently, things had changed. I hadn't changed anything other than I had just been memorizing scripture. 
but it changed me from the inside out. It's not me. I didn't change me. The word of God changed me. It can change you too. Gives us wisdom and spiritual understanding for navigating life? Absolutely yes. Can, sha can shave you from ruin. It will shave you down. No, it will save you from ruin. That's what it can do. Energizes our worship and prayer lives. All right. We got time. We're good. So, <clears throat> how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You want a challenge? Memorize all of Psalm 119. I'm not quite done it. I've been trying that for two years in the middle of other stuff. It's long, but it is rich. If you want to grow in your appreciation and application of God's word, memorize Psalm 119. It's great. I got the idea from a teen challenge banquet I was at. They gave a free car for doing it. I won't do that, but they gave a free car for whoever could memorize it at their graduation. I thought it was kind of neat. Anyways, temptation. This is what scripture says. Hebrews 5.14, solid food. Now you'll see here I have 5.14 to 6 verses 2. I didn't have time to put it all up there, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Oh, there you've seen these words again. What is that? Focused attention, repetition, constant practice, time to dis distinguish good from evil. Then he goes on to talk about what it means to be immature, having to lay again a foundation of repentance, laying on of hands and washings and all that stuff, right? He's saying, I want you to be a teacher. You're supposed to move on from that, but it's going to take work. But you're called to do the work. Don't stay a spiritual infant. Even if it doesn't cause you to lose your salvation, you have people watching you. Everyone in here does. Whether it's siblings or parents or kids or friends or classmates or teachers, live like Jesus. Joshua 1 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Love that. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Then, then, do this. Then, then, not saying salvation, not saying to be a good Christian. I'm saying to be, to be formed into the image of your maker, to become like your master. You are an apprentice under him. You are a disciple of your master. Become like him. Then you will be prosperous in the way that he defines prosperity. Then you will have good success. Then you will be able to resist temptation. Then you will find water and food for your soul in dry and arid places. Then. Now, if you're confused or uncertain about what to expect in life, why life is hard, why you're here, what is the meaning behind it all, why is same-sex marriage wrong, who am I, what should I focus on, what should I be doing, chances are, if you're confused about that right now, chances are you're not spending enough time in here, if any, because all of those things I mentioned have clear answers that are not just like yes or no, they're solid, life-giving answers. They're in here. But if you're not getting them from in here, I would venture to say you're already getting those answers from the culture around you. That confusion already is, an, is a reflection of the culture around you. So let's practice a little bit. We can do it. Chuck Swindoll took this from my dad's notes. 
I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. I read that yesterday or Friday, actually, and I just yelled out, amen, from my office at home. Amen. I'm like, that is my experience in everything that he said. That is exactly what I've experienced. But I have put in an average of five days per week for the last seven years. Right? What do they say about when's the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, you got right. Yesterday. Right? They take a long time to grow. Yesterday. It's always yesterday. Never in the future. Not if you want to enjoy it in this lifetime. You, You do it yesterday. Same with saving. Same with anything. Start investing now. If you did one verse a week, that'd be 52 verses in a year. If it took you three weeks even to do it, you'd still get a dozen, more than a dozen. And I would venture to say, in fact, I'll guarantee it, that will change your life. You do it. I don't care how much you can retain and how much you can meditate back and forth. You spend the time ruminating on, thinking on God's word, it will change your life. Okay. We were going to memorize a verse together, but I'm going to skip through it. Read this, and I'll do it fast, because you'll get it quick, I think. And if you don't, don't feel bad. Just go and take this one home. Read it with me. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let's read it again. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You guys do it. Well, look at that. I heard most of you memorizing already. Do it again, please. Stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. What if I flip the words around? I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. God, teach us. Teach us to be a people that are intentional with where we put our focus. That we would not just allow our focus to wander on all the things of this world and just to land on whatever it lands on. Lord, that we would be diligent. You are diligent. Lord, teach us to be like you. Teach us to be diligent. Now we're going to go into the last song. We're going to do it a bit like last week. So on the back slide, you're going to see, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, what's an area you are struggling with? Now you've already memorized one verse or you've started it, short term memory. I've stored up your word in my heart that you may not sin against you. Right, Psalm 119, 11. So what's an area that you're struggling with? And you have those papers around you. Search for a verse that speaks to your issue. Now, if, if you don't see it on the paper, that's okay. You also have a concordance in the back of your, in the back of your Bibles. And you can look things up topically. If, if you've never looked at your concordance, you should. It's great. And you can use Google too, but I know that's one of the things that I hear, especially with this next generation, and now mine too, we get lazy because we have Google. Why would I memorize it when you have Google? Because Google's not gonna be there in your time of need, that's why. When you need it the most, you're gonna respond out of the wellspring of what you have stored up in your heart. That's what's gonna come out. 
from the inside out. So be intentional what you put in there. Meditate. I'm going to give you one model. This is one of many. Read it, write it, pray it, apply it. And then memorize. Daily review it. You don't take lots of time. I like to, um, if you saw our social media, it says hit play and, and pray. Uh, one of the things I like doing is I pick songs. And well, we did it last weekend. But I pick songs and I take verses that are important that line up with that song. And I take a prayer request that I'm going. And all I do is I commit to praying and ruminating on that for, a, for one song. That's not long, right? And then if it grows longer than that, we go longer than that. But if it doesn't, it's one song. It was three minutes, five minutes tops, unless you pick a long one. If you go fire fall down, it's going to take you more like nine minutes. <laughs> I experimented with that lots this last week. Okay, take a moment. got to finish. Just start the process. That list of memory verses is online already. You can look at it there too. Maybe you got verses already. You just forgot, you forgot them or you put them down. I'm going to pick them back up. You grab those verses that give you faith that turn you outward, not inward on yourself, but outward towards God.